Oh yeah, welcome back to the Lava Wild Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. This is episode 10, Eve's Impurity EP, part 1. Yeah, man, we fi- we finally hit number 10. <laughs> it's uh, kind of been a long time coming, but yeah, man, I'm stoked to hit the 10 mark on these episodes. Um, yeah, and I, I, I've... You know, I gotta let you guys know, I, I got a little bit of haters out there, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you guys get it, but I mean, I get it like every now and then. I just get some, some fucking assholes is coming up, through sliding in my DMs, fucking hating. So, uh, but you know, all I gotta say is, uh, haters gotta hate, lovers gonna love. I don't even want none of the above, I wanna piss on you. Yes, I do want to piss on you. So, <laughs> but whatever, man. I you know I don't. People got a, got their own opinions and whatever, dude. So <laughs> I just I'm just gonna keep rolling along doing my thing. So hate it or love it, that's up to you, man. I'm just being me. So what are you gonna do? You know what I think is crazy is like, <laughs> you know, just thinking about you know people like listening to this podcast right now just waiting for me to say something they get pissed off about (laughs) but yeah that saying hurt people hurt people man it's it's true man they just want to project all their anger and hate onto other people and you know the world is just full of those kind of people so what are you gonna do like i said (laughs) So yeah, sorry. I mean, I don't. I don't mean to start this podcast off so negatively, but you know, it it drives me crazy when I I just see people like. I mean, life is short, man. Why why waste time on stupid, trivial shit? That I mean, whatever. But you know what I think it is. It's uh, you know, I think people are just so bored of their life. You know that. The reason most people cause drama is because, yeah, they're bored of their life and they have to create their own problems. <laughs> you know, it's like, what what can I uh, get upset about right now? And, and it's like they're like creating their own soap opera, you know, it's, <laughs> I, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, so, I mean, that's uh, enough of that. I'm not going <laughs> to dwell on that too much, so let's move on. So, yeah, um, eventually I'd like to come up with, like, two to three episodes a week. At this time, uh, the way I do it, it, it's just not possible. Um, I have to script out what I talk about because my memory is terrible, and I would just forget things I'd want to talk about, but... Yeah, eventually I'd like to get to the point where I'm just talking to a guest freely without any script, but for the time being, while I'm doing these podcasts, um, it'll take some time to get out, unfortunately. Um, I'm getting to the point where I'm running out of projects I've worked on in the past, so (laughs) I'm going to have to uh, branch out and uh, invite guests to the shows, uh, which I think will be great. And I think you guys will like that too. So these next series of episodes are going to go way back to the beginning of my music career. And you will be hearing a lot of raw and rough recordings. Especially in this episode. 
Uh, you will hear uh, lots of heavy music and screaming. So if that's not your cup of tea, I totally get it. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't like this type of music at first either, but it grew on me and uh, I dove head first into it when I was a teenager. I definitely don't listen to this type of music pretty much at all anymore. I just lean towards like the 60s and 70s and more modern. I don't know. I, I'm into so much, uh, but yeah, I don't really listen to uh, hardcore music anymore. Only occasionally just for nostalgic reasons to <laughs> just throw it back to to realize, you know, what I used to be into i mean some of those songs are still pretty cool to listen to i mean i don't you know they got some good parts it's it's mainly just the screaming it's like uh like <laughs> what's what what was that all about you know like it just uh you know just getting a lot of anger out i guess i don't know but um if you are just curious to hear my uh first ever recordings um, just to hear how far I've come, these episodes will be for you. I talked briefly about the start of Eve's Impurity in the past, uh, podcasts, so if you hear repeated information, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, uh, go from the top of how the band started and what we, we, uh, created. I hope to have all the guys in the band join me at the end of these series of episodes um to you know just talk about the music we put out and just recap everything hopefully everything will go as planned and that will happen uh they all seem down to do it so yeah it should work out so back in my high school days i had uh, started to play bass uh when i was a sophomore it was my first instrument, and I had a pretty cruddy group. I worked out a lot of kinks out in. <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, when I was a junior in high school that my older brother Monty invited me to jam with a group he was messing around in. It was a uh, really rough jam sessions, and it was just my older brother Monty and his friend. And, uh, Brad Owen and myself. Uh, my brother played guitar, Brad played drums, and uh, I played bass, like I said. Um, it was really rough. Um, they tried to show me what they were playing, and I tried my best to follow along. The next session uh, we had together, there was another person added to the group, and his name was Eric. I can't remember his last name, um, but yeah, he he was another guitar player that was added to the band. Uh, my memory may be off a bit with the order of how this all happened. It was a long time ago, so it's kind of hard to remember how it all exactly happened all those years ago. Uh, hopefully the other guys can correct me when I have the episode with them. Uh, so I barely remember the sounds we were making back then, uh, but I remember it was pretty shitty. <laughs> uh, we were all basically newbies on instruments, and we were just trying to figure out how to write music together. 
and just vibe as a group. I think they had a few parts written that they showed me and we just tried our best to put together songs. I remember getting tighter with Brad and at some point we tried out another guitarist and that was Nick Erzadowski. We liked uh, what things were sounding like and the other guys wanted to replace my brother with Nick. I think Monty wasn't coming to practice or something and it was a just a playful hobby to do uh, for him. Uh, the rest of the guys were pretty serious about starting a legit group though. It kind of sucked doing that to my older brother. Uh, I didn't like that but I just went along with it and kept jamming with those dudes. Monty seemed uh, pretty upset about it at first but seemed like uh, he would get over it eventually. Um, we continued practicing at Brad's house whenever we could or Eric's garage and just tried to get better. We recorded our practices and tried to fix things we heard, uh, you know, when we listened back. I guess Nick has some of these recordings and I'd like to play you guys some of that if I ever get a hold of it. I'm sure it sounds pretty awful though, so <laughs> you you guys want to be missing much if you don't want to hear it. Um, I know I'd like to check it out just to bring back the memories of those days and what we were trying to do. It would be pretty crazy to hear now. Uh, somewhere around this time we came up with the band's name. We were throwing ideas around of what it should be and we kept hitting dead ends. One day Brad came up to me uh, before a practice and handed me a piece of paper and he said, uh, tell me what you think. It said, uh, Autumn's Eve. Uh, I thought it was pretty good and uh, he told me he just liked the Eve's part and wanted to come up with a name uh, with that word in it. I thought it sounded pretty decent, and it was the best thing that was suggested so far, so I remember thinking that was the band name for a little while there. Uh, I forgot how we got it to Eve's Impurity exactly. I think it was um, Brad, again, suggesting that. I remember him being like, what about Eve's Impurity? Um, I liked it better than Autumn's Eve, and I was down with it. Um, I think I was just cool with whatever they wanted to call it because I was the younger guy and felt like I didn't have much of a say anyways. <laughs> so we all uh, agreed to the name and the band was born. So I can't really recall when we decided to start playing shows or where our first show was or anything I remember Eric wanted us to play a gig in front of Hemet High School uh, for some talent show or something. We barely had any songs down at the time, and the date was quickly approaching, so we eventually declined. I remember the wheelhouse in Hemet, California, uh, being one of the first places we played, it's a roller rink that I grew up going to when I was a kid to just rollerblade. Um, it was a popular thing to do at the time. 
we would, you know, rollerblade and play uh, arcade games. Uh, pretty fun and simple times. Uh, as I got older, uh, they started using the roller rink for concerts, for bands, and stand-up comedy and stuff like that. I remember having my first show ever there before Eve's Impurity, and uh, I'll tell that story on the episode about my beginnings with music uh, later on. Um, They eventually opened up a sidebar later um, where they did like karaoke and uh, had bands play, uh, you know, on that smaller stage in there. They even got on that show Bar Rescue, and the host on the show came up with the name Derbies, and it has been called that ever since. I'm pretty sure Eve's Impurity probably played some house parties first, but I'm sure the Wheelhouse was probably one of our first legit shows. We would play that venue many more times after that to slightly bigger and bigger crowds as the band aged. At some point we decided Eric wasn't a good fit for us and we decided to release him from the group. So now it was just Brad, Nick, and myself in the band. After a while we got enough songs down and we decided uh, we wanted to record an EP. I forgot how we decided on this location we picked, uh, but we ended up going with this guy named Nick Cherry. He was in a fairly well-known band from around the town, and he had a small studio on this second story of a cellophone store. It was really odd uh, when you walked in, it just looked like a, you know, like a cellophone store, but uh, you went up this stairway up the back and uh, next thing you know uh, you're just in this pretty cool uh, low-key studio. Uh, This was my first ever brush with recording music and it felt special to me and I wanted to just absorb everything I heard and just learn as much as I could. This EP was self-titled, I believe. Um, It was recorded mainly in 2003 or 2004 Uh, I can't remember exactly, probably 2004, Um, and like I said, it is pretty raw because it's, you know, it was all our first time recording, Um, but even so, it's not all that bad, Uh, it's just a lot of screaming, (laughs) Um, so yeah, get ready for that. The uh, music kind of sounds like a mix of the band Thrice, um, Iron Maiden, and some other punk influences. You know, that that's what I hear. Something like that. So let's jump into the first song on the EP called Fluorescent Gaze.
Oh man, I haven't listened to these songs in forever. So it brings back a flood of memories from this time. The intro sample was created by the engineer and producer Nick Cherry. Uh, He used a snare hit and just stretched it out with effects and that was the final result. It was pretty cool watching him do that and it was my first taste of what was possible with modern recording technology. Brad recorded the drums like I said before but he and I also did all the screaming parts. We would switch off. Um, I remember Brad and I being in the studio after we had tracked all these instruments and we had the lyrics all printed out and we dissected what parts each of us would do. I did all the singing parts uh, in the most emo style I could muster up. (laughs) It was a popular way to sing at the time and I tried hard to fit into that sound by doing those you weren't always there subscription to your heart <laughs> this is so emo man uh <laughs> um it makes me cringe today but i was like 16 or something at the time and it was just what i thought was cool at the time I think Brad wrote uh, most of the lyrics for the verses and the talking part, too, if I remember right. But I recorded my voice saying that talking part. I think I wrote the parts when I sing the last part when we scream and sing uh, No Further Will I Strive. Uh, That part was written by Brad's girlfriend at the time uh, named Natalie, who I'm sure, you know, the the other guys will (laughs) probably have plenty of uh, stories uh, about her (laughs) whenever we do this uh, group podcast with, you know, everybody else. Um, But yeah, Brad and I got caught up with uh, what we would, you know, try to say for that part, and we were throwing ideas back and forth and she just was like, why not? No further will I strive. And we just looked at each other and agreed to use it. Um, it seemed fitting and, uh, we liked the way it went with the song and the ending as well. I remember I came up with the intro and Nick layered his guitar parts over my bass line and Brad's Tom opening. The verses were a joint effort from the band. Uh, my bass was a interesting tone. It's kind of growling. Um, I used a pick for basically all the songs, so it's got a pretty sharp and trebly attack to it. It kind of sounds shitty, but good at the same time. <laughs> I was uh, using my first bass ever that was a cheap $150 Red Kramer bass guitar. Uh, I think I ran the bass through the house bass amp they had, which was some sort of SWR amplifier. Uh, If I remember right, it was a pretty dope amp, so 
I was stoked to use it. I think it was a 115 and a 410 combo or something like that. I just remember at the time it sounded pretty great. I had uh, an okay Galen Kruger 115 combo amp that I normally played on. It was a decent amp and it was a workhorse for me at the time. I eventually got a cheap 410 no-name cabinet off the internet to connect it to the Galen Kruger amp uh, using some ghetto technique. <laughs> I had like a, a splitter to send the signal from the head of the Galen Kruger to power the 115 speaker and the 410 speakers at the same time. <laughs> it's uh, definitely not how you sh you're supposed to power those amps and it definitely needed more wattage to run both of those speakers but uh it got a pretty decent sound out of it surprisingly <laughs> i'm surprised it worked for uh, as long as it did um it eventually broke at a show we had at the wheelhouse um we all usually rocked out pretty hard when we played live and on this particular night, Brad was running around the stage and he tripped over the, my guitar cable uh, in the middle of the song <laughs> and my whole rig just came tumbling down. <laughs> it was uh, shocking to see and everyone was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I remember the uh, guitars and drums still uh, going on and... Uh, they tried their best to keep the song going, but everything sounded like shit, really. <laughs> I remember uh, I scrambled to reset it as fast as I could. I realized my input was trashed. Uh, the Galen Kruger head basically landed on the cable um, in the input, and so it was all bent up. I replugged the cable in the amp, and um, to my surprise, I was able to get it to work um, as long as the input was set in a certain position. I tried to get through the songs the best I could, but the set was ruined. <laughs> I don't remember how far into our set we were when it happened, but I think we had to cut our show short because of how bad it was. It was uh, pretty hilarious looking back at it now. <laughs> so, yeah, that amp was a beast, and it still survived after all of that. Um, I was still able to use it for a while after that, but I eventually gave it away, and at that stage it was just a head that was taken out of the 115 combo. <laughs> just like this Frankenstein setup. So anyways, sorry I got distracted by that story, but yeah, I still kind of like my bass tone I had on these recordings. It's still pretty raw and rough, but it's not all that bad. Um, I was heavily into punk music around that time, and it was the first type of music I really got into, and I eventually branched out into hardcore music. I remember when I first started jamming with Brad, uh, we were driving around in his car and he was like, check this stuff out. 
he had a subwoofer in his car and a decent audio setup, and he blasted some hardcore music. I think this was the first time, you know, I really listened intently to some screaming music. I think I kind of heard it randomly before this, but I remember this was a pivotal moment for me, and it defined our sound from that point on. I think it was Under Oath or something like that. I can't remember. I just remember it sounded really intense and the screaming kind of gave me a headache, but there was something to it that I liked and being the young impressionable kid I was hanging out with older guys, I just absorbed what they were into and just kind of latched onto whatever they thought was cool. I didn't have my own inner voice at the time and I was like a chameleon and I would just adapt and accept whatever was cool that was around me and that's what I got into. I remember always being impressed by Brad's drumming. I thought he was really good and he is. Uh, when I listen to these songs, uh, he has some pretty solid drumming on these recordings. He would do some interesting beats using the toms and the bell on the ride. He would just throw in those tings on the bell randomly uh, throughout the song, and it sounds great. Um, it's got a pretty cool buildup that leads into the bridge where you hear my first ever recorded bass solo. It's It totally reminds me of something Iron Maiden would do. People always liked when I played that part live. We were pretty good at building and releasing the feeling of tension with our music. There's a lot of pain and emotion in this song and all the songs we wrote really. I remember this band and uh, this music was a fantastic way for me to channel all the teen angst, hate, rage, anxiety, and just overall confusion you feel as a teenager in a American high school and it gave me a way to just let it out by literally it screaming and playing my heart out. <laughs> I remember teaching myself how to scream by using the thickest pillow I could find around the house and just screaming as hard as I could into it. I would come home from a shitty day at high school with uh, all this pent-up anger from things that happened in my day and just dive deep into my bed to scream as hard as I could into this pillow. It was a great way to calm myself down and release a lot of anger. Looking back now, it definitely had this meditative and therapeutic quality to it. It's like I just had this full body massage from my mind that released everything I was upset about. Every time we played live, it felt like this, too. Um, it was all just a big release. I remember writing a lot of lyrics in night school classes I had to take to graduate. My freshman and sophomore years, I slacked off hard and ditched school a lot. 
I didn't do my homework assignments and just ignored my responsibilities. I was all into uh, skateboarding and the punk rock scene and I thought high school was a big waste of time and that it wouldn't do me any good in life. (laughs) Reality hit me pretty hard uh, when I had to sit down with a counselor around my junior year and he told me at the rate I'm going, I'm not going to graduate with my class. And he kind of shook me out of my rebellious ways and my attitude about schooling. Just the embarrassment I felt about thinking of uh, people I knew in my class, uh, just knowing that I didn't graduate, uh, it just made me feel like such a loser and I knew I had to shape up. He told me I had to uh, take summer school and night school classes from basically the end of my sophomore year uh, till the time I graduated. It sucked and it made me hate school even more because I didn't have a break that entire time. Um, but hell, I I did it and I graduated on time with my class. Um, it was tough, but I made it happen. So anyways, I remember doing some of those night school classes I had um, and uh, I had a lot of downtime that I used to write lyrics to songs that hadn't been written yet. Uh, the song Black and White Killer uh, was a main one I remember writing, and most of the songs on this EP, um, except for most of Fluorescent Gaze and Hide Behind Your Face. Um, Hide Behind Your Face uh, we came up with in studio and just made up the lyrics after the instruments were tracked. I'm not sure um, exactly what the lyrics were about um, with this song. I think it had a lot of random subjects that bounce around a lot throughout the the track. Um, I don't know if people can make out the lyrics throughout um, the song uh, over all the screaming and whatnot, but I hear it clear as day. Uh, for the most part, uh, probably just because I came up with most of the lyrics and know how we pronounced everything through screaming, but I'll tell you guys the uh, lyrics and try my best to explain what it's about. So Brad came up with this part uh, at the beginning. Um, I now come, come into this being as what you needed to see. My sweet, sweet chandelier came broken through the crowd, why oh why can't this be found? And then I write uh, the next part and it goes, uh, you weren't always there, subscription to your heart, never were you, were you aware? I felt that pain, the pain that makes us bleed, the blood that makes us see where we went wrong. The cut seeps red, the fragileness of our skin bleeds as one, bleeds as one. Uh, Don't be scared, the truth is not far now, Uh, it's just for now. Uh, Just believe in one last thing, life, it's cause life he died. He fell so hard, they cried and they cried. Uh, Come my friend, my being as what I needed to see. Uh, And then it repeats the singing verse. Um, And then Brad wrote, um, but I recorded my voice saying this next part while Brad whispers in the background. Uh, We blink so fast, we're scared to run. Now lace my eyes with scars, stab me with every breath you take. Nothing is worth this mistake. I left the door open for death. I swear I'd never cry. Forever my blood runs down my eyes. (laughs) 
the fucking crazy shit. <laughs> Uh, I think I wrote this next part. Um, it goes, uh, give me a reason to believe there's a faith worth living for this dying life in your hands running through every soul. Uh, no further will I strive. So yeah, that's basically, um, all the lyrics there. Um, we didn't have the lyrics done before we went into the studio. So we recorded the song as an instrumental and plugged the lyrics in after we recorded it. I think we did that for most of the songs. I remember going over each line of these lyrics in studio with Brad and figuring out how each part would be screamed. We fit each lyric in like a puzzle. Uh, I think the reason why this song doesn't have a specific meaning is because of how Brad and I just plugged random lyrics in throughout the song. I have no idea what Brad wrote the first verse about um, at the beginning. The part about my sweet, sweet chandelier. Uh, yeah, I'll have to ask him. Um, <laughs> the uh, first time I sing the part about you weren't always there, uh, subscription to your heart. Uh, that part was about my girlfriend at the time. She was uh, pretty carefree with my teenage love for her. <laughs> she was uh, my first relationship I ever had, and I felt hard for her, and uh, she was more mature than me at the time, and just used me. Um, so, yeah, I wrote that part about her. The next part is about uh, just learning from your life, uh, changing mistakes. Uh, I felt that pain, the pain that makes us bleed, the blood that makes us see where we went wrong. Uh, the, the cut seeps red. Um, the fragileness of our skin bleeds as one, bleeds as one. Uh, that part is an analogy about how we all bleed and we all make mistakes and try to learn from them. The line, don't be scared, the truth is not far now, it's just for now. I think it's about being patient uh, because your life lesson from your mistake will come in time and it's meant for you to learn at this moment. The next line, life, is because life, he died. Uh, he fell so hard, they cried and they cried. It's a pretty sad lyric I wrote about someone I kind of knew in my middle school um, who hung himself. Um, his name was Kenneth, and he was a pretty cool skater kid. I barely knew him, uh, but he was a pretty popular dude around campus. Um, he n never seemed depressed to me or anything and then hearing that he hung himself like destroyed me um i didn't even know that was even something that was possible um and it shattered my perception of life it made me contemplate my own existence and uh made me think if my own life was worth living uh i remember being pretty suicidal too around that time uh too because that situation just made me so depressed and made me realize how much I didn't like my own life at the time. Um, luckily, I made it through those difficult years and I grew out of that. Um, I still get depressed sometimes, but um, I've never felt as low as I did during my middle school years. Um, I never want to go back to that time for sure. Um, I seriously almost didn't make it out of that time. Uh, it was a very dark period in my childhood. Uh, but yeah, that incident stayed with me and it often crossed my mind throughout the uh, rest of my school days. 
I haven't thought of that in a long time, but this song brought back that memory. The next talking part is a pretty dark paragraph that Brad wrote. Um, I don't know why he came up with that or what it was about, but it's definitely dark. (laughs) I talked that uh, part out while Brad whispered his lyrics on top of my voice. Doing that talking poetic goth type of part was pretty popular for emo bands to do at the time and (laughs) we decided to uh, join the crowd and do it ourselves the next part uh, that says give me a reason to believe there's a faith worth living for this dying life in your hands running through every soul i wrote about my personal struggle with faith and believing in god Uh, I say, give me a reason to believe in the first sentence and say there is a faith worth living for, uh, which accurately described the way I felt about beliefs and religion. Uh, One moment I would be seriously questioning the existence of God and not believing, and the next moment I'd be thinking faith is worth it and trusting in, in this invisible God is all worth it. Um... It made me feel super bipolar, and I I still struggle with that uh, same stuff today, but I just don't let it bother me as much now. I still question the existence of God and don't believe, and kind of believe in a higher power at the same time, so that view hasn't ever really changed. It used to drive me crazy when I was younger, but now I just think it's uh, what it is, and I'm not going to stress out about it anymore. I'm just going to live my life and try to be the best person I can be, and that's it. Uh, But yeah, pretty deep stuff for a 16-year-old, right? (laughs) Uh, That's just uh, my life, though, and the way I was raised. uh, It gives you a peek inside my mind um, at the time and the things I was thinking about. And the end that says, no further will I strive, is like a chant um, that to me represents no longer struggling with depression and problems you face and moving past it. So what that all has to do with uh, the title Fluorescent Gaze, I don't know. (laughs) I think uh, I came up with that title and If I remember right, to me, it was kind of about the fluorescent lights you would see in a prison. Um, Now that uh, can be a real prison or a metaphorical prison, um, I remember feeling like the fluorescent lights in a classroom felt like a prison to me. So yeah, to, to me, it's about the mental prison you can be in and the songs about basically just breaking out of that into freedom so that's all i got for this song let's move on to track two think before you breathe Oh! 
exactly how this song was written um i have memories of playing guitar on some of these tracks um but i think it was mainly on the last song hide behind your face um and i may have wrote most of this song but it may have been a collab between nick and i um it was uh so long ago it's hard to remember exactly what happened um i'll have to bring it up in our conversation on the podcast um i remember coming up with a lot of those pull-off riffs on the guitar and bass it was kind of our signature to do that let me see if i could uh (laughs) play it um i haven't tried to even play any of these riffs in forever so let's see if i still got it something like that and you know like just all like pull off type things like that you know <laughs> I'm pretty rusty at it but uh <clears throat> yeah that was our uh, thing there so Uh, People would always comment on that and, uh, you know, like that we did that. Uh, Brad does this cool cymbal pause part at the end of the song. I remember thinking it was so cool at the time and it looked really impressive when he would do it <clears throat> he seemed like a octopus to me and <laughs> just doing so many different things at once um i like this song and it's a uh, it's got a good feel to the melody um i remember kind of thinking it was kind of a filler type of song but it flows nicely um and it has some cool breaks and changes throughout the song i remember i wrote the lyrics on this song too though um i start the song out with my scream at the beginning and brad does the next line of words you can tell the difference in our scream i got a higher pitch scream and i kind of changed the pitch of it a bit sometimes brad uh just usually stuck to the same type of scream most of the time brad would do that i remember you would always like when he would say the word i you'd be like (laughs) it was just funny how he would always do that like make it sound like it started with an r or something um 
I remember I was used to kind of screaming for the band during our practices we had at Brad's house in his bedroom. I would just belt it out. I think Brad started getting into screaming around this recording, if I remember right. Uh, He was curious if he could do it, and I have memories of kind of showing him how to do it. (laughs) He got it down um, pretty good, uh, you know, good enough to uh, record it on this EP. So let's go through the lyrics and the meaning of the song. Uh, It says, uh, it's time to face the truth. It's been way too long. You ripped my heart out. It's time to pay. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, goodbye, my love. Uh, you said that there was no way you could see me. Oh, so emo. <laughs> uh, goodbye, my love. Uh, you broke my heart the last time. It's been so long now. Uh, I won't go through this. No, I won't. Uh, stop for a second to see what you're doing to my life. It's a stake through my soul. Goodbye, my love. Uh, You said that there was no way you could see me. It's men's fragile part that makes me bleed. (laughs) Humility, uh, virtue that all preach but none act when it comes down to you. Your breath quenches all that breathe. Now I want you to leave. Goodbye, my love. My heart, it bleeds for you. I hate your blood, your fire that intervenes. My love, she bleeds. Just breathe. I can't. Just breathe. My love, she can't breathe. I can't sit here and watch you die. <laughs> Song's super emo. Um, but yeah, so uh, another pretty dark song. Um, I noticed we really l- like to uh, have lyrics about blood, bleeding, breath, um, and, you know, stuff like that. I uh, don't know why that is. Uh, I remember I had uh, some pretty bad times with my girlfriend at the time, uh, like I was talking about earlier. Um, but yeah, we had a pretty bad fight and we kind of broke up, but eventually we got back together. Uh, I think during this recording or a little bit afterwards or something. Um, I think I wrote most of the lyrics about that fight at the time, but she did cheat on me later um later on around the time we put out the next EP and it was a really bad breakup um especially since it was my first serious relationship and she probably had uh been through you know many relationships by that that point and uh was a vet uh I was a serious rookie um I felt hard for her, and I was super attached and probably pretty needy. Uh, I found out throughout the grapevine right before a show we were going to play at Sharky's Pizza in Hemet. Um, it was a kind of cool pizza place that was inside a old building that was renovated. Um, it was kind of a small version of Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. Um, they had this separate room that was bigger that had a stage and it would become a hub for the hardcore scene. So yeah, we uh, were supposed to play and there was like one more band to go up before we went up and a friend that 
I would party uh, with around town came up to me and told me he saw her making out with this dude in a closet um, at this other party, and who knows how far they went. Um, I'm sure they banged, but yeah, it, it broke my heart. I remember just telling him, thank you for letting me know, and I was just sitting there thinking about um, what I just heard, and I just busted into uncontrollable tears. It was bad, and my bandmates rushed me out of Sharky, so I didn't make too much of a scene. Uh, I was just sobbing and couldn't control it. Brad's girlfriend felt bad for me and told me to come with her. Uh, She took me to her car and asked me if I wanted vodka. (laughs) I was a, a wreck, and I was in no position to think rationally, and I just took it and pounded it. I was a super lightweight, and it got me insanely drunk, um, and it only made things worse, <laughs> of course. Um, it just made me uh, even more emotional, and on top of that, now everything was spinning. <laughs> I, re- I remember just like sitting on the curb outside of her car, just crying my eyes out and punching the asphalt um, with my right fist multiple times. Um, I'm pretty sure I fractured my middle finger's, uh, knuckle, and it still looks kind of messed up to this day. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, it messed me up, and I still blame her for my lack of trust in basically all women I have met since. Um, I'm scarred, and I automatically think they're, uh, going to screw me over before I even give them a chance, um... Yeah, it took me many years to get over that, and I still get jealous randomly, um, but I recognize that I shouldn't be um, right away, and I just ignore it the best I can. Uh, It really did some serious uh, psychological damage to me. Uh, I always wonder how my life would be uh, now if I uh, had a fairly normal breakup, um... Uh, to learn from instead of dealing with this insane chick that just didn't give a fuck about ripping my heart out. (laughs) Fucking crazy bitch. Um, I feel like I'm just always drawn towards damaged girls for some reason. Uh, Maybe it's because I'm damaged too, but uh, I always go for these crazy broads that I know will probably screw me over. Um, I've gotten... A lot better at avoiding those type of chicks, though. (laughs) I see the red flags and I know to stay away now. But yeah, seriously, it took me years of trial and error uh, just making the same stupid mistakes over and over again. (laughs) Thinking with the wrong head, you know. Uh, So yeah, anyways, back to the lyrics. Uh, So I wrote the song about the hurt she made me feel and imagining getting revenge um i was just a hurt teenager and i used this music to channel all that pain i was going through so (laughs) you know like i was saying earlier so uh that's uh about all i got for this song uh let's move on to the next one track three the black and white killer
Yeah, so this song was fully written by me. Um, it was one of those songs I wrote at night school. Uh, let's go over the lyrics first, and I'll talk about you know what it's about. Um, it starts out, um, it's so unreal. Uh, it's the sidewalk, it tends to sell the truth. You're the liar, and I'm here to let you loose. But you know, there's always truth in what you say and do. Uh, Touched by misery, I let myself walk through the dark. There's no price to pay for this misery. Um, There's a black and white, explain your anxiety. There's a fable for every man that does good. You'll feel light, then you'll turn black and blue. When you know you fell for pain, uh, then you realize you're just like them. Um, You're just like them. Uh, With the gun in my hand, I contemplate suicide with nothing left uh, to touch my life. Uh, I can't do this anymore. No, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. Uh, There's a darkness in every life that we touch. There's no telling when we can wake it up. There's no pleasure in watching life pass by. Just remember you used to be alive. Uh, It's not the way it should have been. There's no pleasure to mix with pain again. Uh, just remember that life is death this time. You could have saved a precious life. Tonight, I cry. I could have. I would have saved a life. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Black and white killer. So this song is a whole fictitious story about a cop. Um, black and white is, you know, about the police and their cop car. Um, I had to read through the lyrics a few times to try to remember what it was about um at the time i wrote it it made total sense to me but now that i'm reading it all these years later i could have uh i could have been more specific about the story (laughs) uh it's kind of encrypted and it doesn't make much sense to someone if uh they're just reading it or hearing it like you guys are so if i remember right it's about a cop that gets a call about someone committing a crime on the streets the line that says it's the sidewalk it tends to sell the truth it's about people on the streets letting the cop know um, what they saw at the time of the crime the cop feels bad for the guy and lets him go now what happens next is kind of hazy to me because i can't remember what the story was about exactly and (laughs) the lyrics don't uh, do a good job of Uh, what happened next Uh, if I remember right the guy that got let go goes on to uh, kill someone later and the cop feels awful about it and he ends up realizing he's just as bad as these criminals um, from things he's done and he ends up killing uh, the guy that committed the crime and uh, you know that he let go and then uh, the cop kills himself. <laughs> Something like that. I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure that's uh, close to where I was going with the lyrics. Um, it was just a random story I made up, and I just plugged those lyrics into the song. Um, it wasn't based off of any story I heard or anything. I just wanted to write the song that had a dramatic storyline to it. Um, Although a lot of crazy things 
do happen to cops all the time and i'm sure a similar story has probably happened in real life um i can't remember exactly how the song was written uh i think i came up with most of the parts and just wrote the song around the lyrics i remember thinking people probably wouldn't like this song that much and they wouldn't get it so um i didn't like to play it live um you know that much but we did play it a lot people seem to like it though for the most part it has that cool pull-off bass guitar part i wrote that was always fun to play and it sounds it still sounds pretty cool today uh, I can't think of anything else to add for this one, so I'm going to move on to the next song, track four, A Bird's Eye. <laughs> Red 
it starts out with that uh, breakneck speed intro. <laughs> it was a pretty fast-paced song overall. Um, it's still impressive to hear that super fast uh, hi-hat playing Brad did on the drums. Uh, we were all just barely hanging on to the song and it was like a speeding train flying down the way and barely staying on the tracks at some points. <laughs> Uh, even more so on the next song, it seems like the song could fall apart at any second. Uh, I think I wrote most of the guitar riffs on this song. Uh, once again, um, like I said before, we went really heavy on those pull-off uh, guitar riffs, and this song is covered with those type of riffs. I remember the bridge right before it goes into the breakdown was particularly um, difficult to do at the time. I was playing that super fast and aggressive bass line uh, while I would sing at the same time. I recall it being really tough to pull off and it took a lot of practice. I remember burning so much calories do uh, you know during live shows <laughs> with this band. Um, all the songs were so fast and intense and I would just be screaming and rocking out as hard as I could uh, the entire show. I would get off the stage just, you know, being completely drenched um, from sweating so much during the gig. <laughs> it was a great workout, um, but I always had a really sore neck the next day from headbanging so hard. <laughs> Uh, so let's go over the lyrics for this one. Uh, the first verse says, Bliss and heart, let it fall. It's not too late to let it go this time. Peace on extraction unfolds like your life. Interrogation to avoid demise. I think I wrote all the lyrics on this song too. Uh, this verse is about leaving someone that everyone knows is not good for you. Um, you may be blind to it, but everyone else can see it clear as day. And it's like a plea to a friend to leave that person before you get hurt. The next part says, Like a diamond she is purified. For life she had a grudge to destroy and to sanctify. Her heart leaks color to bleed for eternal life. A wish to couple then to, then to uh, turn and destroy a life. Uh, pressed by a fault... To lie is such a crime. Desecrate, infatuate their mind. It's not right for one to die. A chunk of life to drift on high. Desecration at its finest state. Depression with a fine decay. To let a knife drive by. It's like a fire lit under a canvas night. To explode and intensify. It's like a fire to explode and intensify. I can't explain the stress you put on me, just burn with the night's canopy, engulf the hate you feel for them to cope and hate, uh, heal. Uh, it's like a fire beneath the grass, just a whispered shade of black. Uh, I know your heart will leak black, follow your heart, follow her life's past, it's an ex explanation towards her life, beg for your wish back, my heart says no. Desecration at its finest state, depression with a fine decay, to let a knife drive by. 
It's like a fire lit under a canvas night to explode and intensify. Bliss and heart, let it fall. It's not too late to let it go this time. Peace on extraction unfolds like your life. Interrogation to avoid demise. So yeah, the theme of the song is just about warning a friend, um, you know, from a train wreck uh, that is about to happen metaphorically. Uh, the train wreck being a relationship ending terribly like mine did at the time. The friend has a bird's eye view of the situation and can warn of impending doom. I sang and uh, screamed most of the song. Uh, Brad trades off screaming with me a few times, but yeah, most of it is me. Most of the songs I wrote about that girl I was seeing, uh, she really messed me up and I wrote a lot of dark lyrics about how evil she was. <laughs> Most of the, the song is comparing her to a demon and it's about her evil life's mission to destroy people and eat their hearts basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty dark stuff. Um, so now that I listen to the song, I realize how much we're, we were influenced by the band From Autumn to Ashes. This song sounds a lot like um, the band's old stuff. Like if you listen to their first album, uh, we even saw them play live once. Uh, just the way the screaming sounds and the way I sing basically sounds, I you know, like identical to that band. Um, I don't think we were conscious of it at the time, but yeah, I I definitely hear it now. So I think that's all I got on this one. Let's get to the final song and end this episode on track five, Hide Behind Your Face. Yeah. 
This song was uh, basically incomplete when we took it into the studio. We had most of the music written, but the lyrics I plugged into the song, um, you know, were last minute. I remember writing out the lyrics while we were in the studio and just fitting them into the song. Uh, you can tell we didn't have this song down, um, you know, as well as the other ones, uh, by how much we mess up and kind of go off the tempo of the song. It's another really fast-paced song, and we barely got it down good enough to, you know, be on this record. I think this was the only song I played guitar on. Um, I mean, I recorded my bass parts on this song, too, but I added guitar at the end. Uh, I only play... Um, I only play those like lead parts at the very end. Uh, the end of the song wasn't written and I basically came up with that part in the studio. Nick would always make fun of the sample intro I added to the song. <laughs> he uh, hated it and didn't think it should be on the song at all, but I really liked it uh, at the time and fought for it to stay. Everyone else was whatever about it and didn't mind it. But yeah, Nick was the only one that was adamant about removing it. But because he was the only one, uh, it stayed. <laughs> he would always make fun of it um, by repeating what the guy says right before the gunshot goes off by saying, My family. <laughs> he just always say that all the time. It's freaking hilarious. Um, it was a sample from the ending scene in the first Saul movie. Um, looking back now, uh, yeah, that whole sample could have got left out and we could have just left, um, just the gun shot, you know, before the song starts. Uh, if I remember right, we even had that discussion when we were trying to figure out what to do with the, the sample. I think I suggested, uh, you know, just using the gunshot, you know, when Nick wanted to take, uh, take the whole thing off and we tried it and listened to it, but everyone thought the sample should just stay except for Nick. So yeah, he got voted out. <laughs> um, he still makes fun of it to this day. Um, but yeah, let's go over the lyrics. Um, it goes, run away, run away in the most tragic way. You'll find your breath drowns faster and faster with speed as you die. It feels like forever since she's breathed, a chest-pounding expression that fills in green. I felt that way every time you cried, and uh, even when your face went red. Hide behind your face to cover up your blood. It was a choice you made with every breath you take. Hide behind your face to cover up your blood. Uh, it was a choice you made with every breath you take. Your profile resembles death that lies and stills with no regard. It's so hard to think that you could lie. You can lie. Uh, hide behind your face to cover up your blood. It was a choice you made with every breath you take. Uh, then the very end, it's just like random screaming and there's... No meaning, no lyrics there. <laughs> uh, I remember just like thinking like, I don't know, like what should we say? And I 
and I was just like, I don't know, I'll just scream. And so I'm just like, <laughs> and then Brad's like, I will, like say, <laughs> just saying, I will, and yeah, I don't know, it's it's kind of funny hearing it now. Um, uh, it's about being a you know, fake and putting on this innocent face, but behind that mask, um, the person is basically the devil. <laughs> Another song about that chick, so yeah. Um, again, I sing and scream most of this song. Um, but yeah, she really messed me up, and I seriously wrote most of the lyrics in this band about that chick. <laughs> I I think even most of the songs on the next EP are about her too. Um just goes to show how much space, you know, she was occupying in my mind at the time. It's crazy to look back at uh, you know, that now. Uh I have completely changed from that person and basically did a complete 180 from that lifestyle and it seriously feels like a different person. Um, I, I really think that, uh, psychedelics saved my life. I was on a downward spiral during, uh, my time with this band. I went from being the super religious kid that lived in a bubble and was shielded from the outside world. Uh, when I was in this band, uh, with those, these, you know, these older guys, they would often drink and go out to parties and stuff. I would be curious about booze and what it was like to be drunk, and I thought about doing it one day. Uh, most of the time, I would refuse it anytime anyone asked, um, you know, if I wanted some. Uh, I stayed pretty strong with that for a long time, but I was starting to be around it pretty much all the time, and it only took, you know, one second just to be like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to try it. <laughs> Uh, and one day I did. Um, I was curious about alcohol, sex, and everything I was shielded from. Uh, I remember being at this one party in Temecula, California, uh, you know, like the first time I ever drank. I was a minor, and there was a bottle of vodka on the kitchen table, and um, the guys were asking if I wanted to try it. Um on the way to that party, I already kind of made up my mind that I was going to try drinking for the first time um, this night. I remember taking the shot and feeling uh, that burn you get all the way down your esophagus. Uh, it was a pretty crazy feeling and it was pretty jarring. Uh, it wasn't that bad though and I kept taking shots. <laughs> I ended up getting like super wasted and I don't really remember... Uh, most of that night, I just remember being in the living room and kind of acting all crazy. This led to me getting blackout drunk, like, all the time after that. <laughs> just binge drinking, you know? Um, anytime there was booze, I just drank it. I was already in the, the water, so I just was thinking, like, you know, I might as well just keep swimming. Um... That was a saying that I used for basically everything after that, you know, for like drugs, um, sex, or whatever. I set out to do everything I was shielded from uh, to see how bad it really was for myself. 
Uh, at first it was just the booze. And then one day I saw Nick come down the stairs, uh, at this party looking all out of it with, uh, some really glazed out bloodshot eyes. <laughs> and I realized he like smoked pot up there. Uh, I didn't know what to think. Um, at the time I thought weed was like so bad and couldn't believe he did it, but it made me curious, um, what that was like and, I tried that too eventually. <laughs> uh, after that, I set out to see what else I could try. Uh, I got into pills a lot and was taking basically anything I could. Mainly it was uh, Oxycontin um, I was after. It was super addictive and it felt amazing to be on that stuff. The combination of being stoned and um, taking Oxycontin was incredible. Your body gets super itchy and you just want to scratch yourself everywhere, but it feels so good when you scratch that itch. Um, it's really crazy to think about how I was doing that so much and getting so faded off that stuff. Um, I'm really lucky me or my friends didn't die. Uh, we would hear of people dropping dead around us from overdosing on it. Uh, but we kept doing it thinking, uh, you know, we went an overdose. None of the guys in Eve's Impurity got to that pill level. Um, I got into it after I left the band. But yeah, the guys I was hanging around would take so much of it. Uh, I remember seeing them just dazing off mid-sentence and literally just starting to uh, drool on themselves. Uh, we would... <laughs> We would have to like grab them and slap them out of it. Um, we were seriously lucky none of us died, um, especially those dudes. Uh, I don't think I ever got to that level with that stuff, but I was around people that did, and it was scary to see that. Mm. When I first did psychedelics for the first time when I was 19, around the time I left Eve's Impurity, uh, or it probably was like right around the time... Um, I was about to quit or something. Uh, but yeah, that experience really changed my life. Uh, like I said, I was on that, uh, downward spiral of just taking whatever was around me and shrooms was the next thing on the list to try. All I knew was that I was pretty much down to try anything but meth and shooting up heroin. I had seen how people get on meth and how sketchy they are and I didn't want anything to do with that and shooting up heroin seemed insane. I was just not down to shoot up anything. When you get to the point when you're down to stab your veins with a needle to get you high, you have hit a serious low and all I know uh, was I didn't want to go down that path. I also heard how uh, addictive heroin was and judging from how I, you know, liked um Oxycontin so much, I'm sure I would uh, get for sure hooked to uh, heroin. Uh, Oxycontin uh, has opiates in it, and it's used for heroin addicts to come down off the drug. It's like a mild heroin dose. Uh, but yeah, so when I went to try shrooms for the first time, it was this really deep and spiritual trip. And when I first felt it kick in, I was kind of scared, but once it fully hit me, I knew I loved it. 
I found this deep peace within myself that I don't think I had ever found before. I was always running away from myself and trying to get out of my mind like all the time and shrooms forced me to be at one with myself. It made me feel okay to be in my skin and probably the uh, first time in my life I felt like that. I, I seriously believe that shrooms like, you know, that shroom trip saved my life. I I was pretty depressed and uh, who knows what kind of trouble I would have gotten into, you know, um, you know, if I didn't have that experience. It made me uh, appreciate my life and want to clean up my act. I'm pretty sure it basically almost cured my depression. I mean, I still get depressed sometimes, like I was saying, but it's never as bad as it used to get when I was a teenager. Um, I just have a better outlook on life now, and I understand it more. When I was younger, I was just so confused by everything, and it just made me crazy and depressed. Just growing up and being forced to go into this somewhat broken public school system um, that I didn't want to be at in the first place um, for basically, you know, all of my childhood and having to do these awful homework assignments you don't want to do all the time, uh, you know, it sucked. Um then having the pressure of being told to have a plan and figure out your career in life was just also daunting. Uh, then on top of that, I had the extremely religious side of my life uh, from my family that confused the hell out of me. The pressure to be good all the time and not get caught up in worldly things was difficult. Then uh, when I hit 18 and the pressure from my family to go on a mission for my church became painfully real. I always struggled with my faith and didn't want to dedicate two years of my life to something I barely believed in. Um, I was just so confused and felt trapped. Doing drugs and being rebellious was my way out of all the stress and pressure I was under and I just sprinted towards that direction. You know, and I'm sure, you know, this story relates to, you know, so many people. They go, you see it all the time. Um, it's just the society we created, um, or, you know, our parents created. Um, it's, it's a difficult, you know, society to live in, in America. You know, it takes time to adjust to and get used to how things work. But yeah, once I tried those shrooms, it totally changed my life and my outlook. It made me realize everything I was hung up about wasn't as big of a deal as it seemed. I just had this peaceful, reassuring feeling that everything would be all right and not to take everything so seriously. I needed that so much and I'm so grateful I had that experience. It made me who I am today for sure. Um, sorry I had to preach a bit about psychedelics a bit there. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it was just a truly special experience and I uh, just want to share that. But yeah, I think that's all I'm going to share on this episode. Um, join me next time for the continuation of the Ease and Purity episodes. I'm going to try to get the guys to join me on the next show and talk about the the band and 
all those times we had together. Um, I basically got the confirmation from all the guys uh, to come on the show, so I'm going to work on getting them on next. Find me on social media, uh, Instagram, um, it's james.sterling.cooper, uh, follow lava.wa.artcollective as well, um, find me on Twitter, uh, under jscooper815, and rate and review the show, um, thanks for listening to me ramble about my life and experience I've had, um, uh, I'm kind of using these podcasts as my journal entries of my life during that time and just want them to be there in case I croak before my story gets out there you know (laughs) you never know man so life is short so I'm trying my best to get everything out there before that happens so anyways uh I love you guys thanks for the support you're fucking awesome talk to you next time ciao Spinning on spread and crushing